sports fans. I'm Danielle McCartan. McCartan before midnight. Just a few ticks before midnight here on The Fan in New York City. And I'll be talking all things New York sports with you right up till 2 a.m. on this short show on this frigid Saturday night into Sunday morning. I will say this. I hope wherever you are, you're nice and warm and cozy on this NFL Divisional Round weekend. Paul Rosenberg and I are coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here in lower Manhattan. You know the number. It's already pre-programmed into your phones at 877-337-6666. As always, we will load them up with your best content only. Now, this is a little bit of an awkward start here tonight because we, we're going to, after that post-game show, uh, we're going to fill some times till 12, and I'll do the, my, my actual, my hard opening monologue at 12. So we're going to just do a quick recap of the games uh, from my perspective, of course. And then we'll take your calls regarding all of the the two games today, the two that we have uh, coming up tomorrow, and of course anything New York sports related, obviously. So we'll take it first chronologically: the 4:30 p.m. game, the Bengals at the Titans, and oh my, oh my! You know Donovan McNabb was the only quarterback to win a playoff game after being sacked more than eight times. Well, add Joe Burrow's name to that list. Rookie kicker Evan McPherson, drafted in the fifth round, sealed the deal with his fourth game-winning field goal of the season. And this the guy's got swagger, man. But he told Joe Burrow before he kicked the game-winning field goal, before he kicked it, he said, I guess we're going to the AFC championship game. Oh, my. The swagger on that kid. The Bengals upsetted upset the number one seeded Titans 19 to 16 a few weeks ago we talked right here about which team you had the least amount of confidence in in this playoffs remember my pick the Titans I asked right before kickoff and left it up for 35 minutes of real time I asked on Twitter at coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N who wins Bengals or Titans 66% 66% of you, including myself, we were all right. You know, entering play, the Bengals had the seventh best rush defense in the league. But the Titans had the second best. So to me, my, th- here's what I was watching. This game was going to rest on the shoulders and the arms of Joe Burrow and Ryan Tannehill. Cincinnati's offensive line. Still is a problem. You know, Joe Burrow was sacked 51 times during the regular season, which was the most in the NFL. He was sacked nine times on Saturday, but it didn't matter in the end. You know that's where they're going in this upcoming draft, though, right? You know that, right? And then I was also watching the the triumphant return of Derrick Henry and Julio Jones who that was a little bit overshadowed by the return of Henry, of course. But they said Derrick Henry was back with, quote, no limitations. And Ian Rappaport noted that Henry was in top physical form, which was kind of crazy, knowing that he he has now one plate and five screws in his foot, a running back. And then at the half, well, the Bengals held them just to just 30 yards of total offense and Jones to just four targets. And at the end, both of them were pretty much non-factors. Derrick Henry finished with 66 yards uh, on the ground total, one touchdown. And then 
Julio Jones was targeted only seven times total. Four in the first half, three in the second half. Huh. Kind of strange to me. But Derrick Henry looks like a man among boys, doesn't he? The guy is just, I mean, he is just a big dude. I would not want to have to tackle Derrick Henry for fear of being truck-sticked or stiff-harmed or stepped on every single time I went to go try to bring him down. It takes more than one defender to pull him down. And then at the half, where the Bengals led the Titans 9-6, to there were two decisions made that could have altered the trajectory of this game, one by each team. After the first Tennessee Titans touchdown, they elected to go for two. And Derrick Henry was stopped short like a gang tackle. Why go for two? Unless you have to. Just take the points at that point. And then, right before the half, you look at Joe Burrow, right? The young quarterback. He took entirely, entirely too much time to ultimately just end up throwing the ball away. And he left the Bengals well out of field goal range with only four seconds. So, instead of throwing the ball to the fastest guy on the field, which is obviously Jamar Chase, they designed to play for their tight end. And I wrote my notes, does this come back to bite them at the half? In the end, in the end, neither of those two things mattered. And that's football, Susan. Moving on to the 8-15 game, the 49ers at the Packers. Well, let's just say this audio didn't age well. How disappointed are you that you will not be a 49er? Not as disappointed as the 49ers will be that they didn't draft me. Yeah, well, uh, Aaron Rodgers against the 49ers has his name written into the history books as the first quarterback to ever lose to an opponent four times in the playoffs. How about that? And in fact, tonight, Aaron Rodgers recorded his second career playoff game with exactly zero goose egg playoff touchdowns. Passing, that is. I mean, are the 49ers really that upset? Because something I I thought of this afternoon when I was thinking critically about this game, Jimmy Garoppolo has two Super Bowl rings. One as a backup to Tom Brady in New England, and then one as a San Francisco 49er. And, And Aaron Rodgers has exactly one Super Bowl ring. And that game was played all the way back in February of 2011. And... It's going to stay that way. As of tonight, Aaron Rodgers is 7-9 and nine in the playoffs since he won that Super Bowl 11 years ago. Can we get on the overrated train yet or, or not? Is that allowed or, or not yet? Then there was Jimmy Garoppolo with a torn ligament in his right hand and his ailing right shoulder who had never played in a game where the kickoff temperature was at or under the freezing mark. At kickoff, the air temperature... At Lambeau Field was 12 degrees. The wind chill was 6. And my source, I'll cite it, the Weather Channel. That's the best app. But this year's Packers team was 8-0 at home this season. Imagine that as a fan showing up to watch your team play in your own stadium and expecting a win every single time. Imagine that. Yeah, we wouldn't know that feeling around here. And Packers fans in attendance at Lambeau Field tonight... Now know our pain here in this area. 
And I asked her in the first quarter of, of the Bengals-Titans game, and I left this poll up for one hour. I asked on Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, who wins, the Packers or the 49ers? As it turns out, 70% of us, myself included, were wrong, wrong, wrong. The 49ers scored 10 points in the final four minutes and 41 seconds to put the pack away. You know, before this game started, there were two key injuries that I was concerned about for the 49ers. Bosa with the concussion. He did not practice on Tuesday, but he was a full participant by Thursday. No issues. Bosa recorded two sacks in the game. He was fine. And then Garoppolo, again, with the shoulder and the thumb. He was limited on Tuesday, but he was a full participant by Wednesday and beyond. And how was he going to fare in this game? Well, his first four passes were on the money and dropped. The most egregious being Kittle's drop very early in the game, which would have been a touchdown should he have held on to it. The score at that point would have been 7-7. And did you know that Kittle earned PFF's highest receiving grade among all tight ends this season? Well, yeah, you wouldn't have known that while watching that play. The game plan for the 49ers was obviously to run the ball. Everyone knew it. The Packers' rush defense isn't great. In fact, there were only three teams worse than them in rushing yards per carry allowed in the entire league. And then Debo Samuel was figuring to be the difference maker for San Francisco because of his versatility and the way that he can line up on offense, both as a running back and as a wide receiver. The Packers' opening drive looked absolutely dominant. Rodgers and company marched down the field, pounded the football in for the game's first touchdown. And based on that, my thought that this game would have been a blowout was confirmed. And based on the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo didn't complete his first pass until there were four minutes to go in the first half, my thought that this game would have been a blowout was still confirmed. And then, in the closing minute before the end of the half, Garoppolo threw an interception in the red zone. And as you were watching it, I know you had the same thought as me. This has the potential to be a turning point of the game. And then, Rodgers looked like he was ready to run out the clock in the half. San Francisco took a timeout. Game on. There was a blown 49er coverage. The Packers were able to attempt a field goal and put some lucky points on the board before the half, but it was blocked by Jimmy Ward. The Packers instead took a 7-0 lead into the half. Special teams came up with two huge blocks in that game. That one to keep three points off the board for Green Bay. And in the final minutes of the game, the block punt, scoop and score touchdown to put six Really, seven points on the board for San Francisco. That was clearly the biggest play of the game. And in fact, the 49ers, as of tonight, are the fourth team since the year 2000. That's the Jonas Brothers there. Uh, I know it's 3,000, but they're the fourth team since the year 2000 to win a playoff game without an offensive touchdown. Also at the half, you know, Garoppolo dropped back 12 times. He was sacked three of them and knocked down four other ones. And yet they were still only down by seven. That means to me that the number one seeded Green Bay Packers were never able to put away the sixth seeded San Francisco 49ers. And the odds were stacked against them. Robbie Gold, though. Robbie Gold. Golden. Remained perfect in his career playoff field goal attempts. And as time expires, he sent the 49ers to the NFC Championship game in a stunner in the snow at Lambeau Field. Wow. Actually, wow. I think most people are shocked. It was a stunning upset in Green Bay. 
And now, here's the door opening. You hear it? Here's the speculation of the future of Aaron Rodgers in a Packers uniform. Let it officially commence. Will he be a New York Giant next season? Stop it. He will not be playing for the Giants next season. Not so the the parody in the NFL just makes this this postseason just so, so, so exciting. Down went two number one seeds today, the Titans and the Packers. This Super Bowl victory this year literally could be anyone's. The remaining teams, the number four seeded Bengals, the number two seeded Chiefs, and the number three seeded Bills playing tomorrow. You've got the 49ers advancing to the NFC Championship game, and then you've got the number two seeded Bucks and the number four seeded Rams. This could be anybody's, anybody's Super Bowl victory. Here's Greg Caserta in the studio with an update coming your way. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Oh, well, that was a quick little turnaround here. Welcome back to the show. I'm Danielle McCartan. Now after midnight here on the fan in New York City on this exciting divisional playoff round weekend here in, in, in the NFL Oh my God! You know, we we also we've had a changing of the guard behind the glass just now. We say goodbye to Paul Rosenberg. We say hello, hello to Pat Boyle, and here's Brian McKeon. Wow, you are early, Brian. You are very early. He's he's giving me a little. <laughs> Brian McKeon coming your way at two a.m. He is two hours early. He is pumped and ready to go. So Pat Boyle is now taking your calls. He's on the ones and twos. Great job to Paul. It's a little, always a little hard jockeying for position, um, you know, after a live coverage and a, and a post game like that. So did a great job, Paul Rosenberg, and, and hello to Pat. So, you know, to kick off the, the New York portion of, of tonight's show, just on a somber note, I just want to take a quick second to acknowledge the passing of a New York Islanders legend. You've heard by now Clark Billies. He, 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 Gillies, I'm sorry. Clark Gillies. Uh, he, he was a Hall of Famer both on and off the ice. You know, off the ice, he started the Clark Gillies Foundation to support the physically and developmentally challenged children. And actually, the, the pediatric unit at Huntington Hospital in Long Island was named after Clark Gillies. And his foundation actually helped raise $1 million for its construction. So that, among many things, Hall of Famer off the ice he was. But then, obviously... On the ice, he was a huge part of the Islanders dynasty that won four straight Stanley Cups. Think about that. Four straight Stanley Cups in the early 80s. And yes, that is before my time. But his greatness in, in this town, it's it's known among all hockey fans here in this area, regardless of age. You know, Lou Lamorello said, this is a quote, he said, Gillies optimized, or epitomized what it means to be a New York Islander. Gillies was 67 years of age, and our thoughts and our prayers from from here at this station go out to the family and friends of Clark Gillies and to the entire New York Islander organization. So a, a pivot, yes. And, you know, here it is. I, I, I'm off the schedule for one weekend, just one weekend, and how different these New York Giants look right now than the last time I was with you.
take all the credit for this song. The song suggestion was sent to me on Twitter by a loyal listener, Douglas Pucci. That's Go- Gautier. Is that how you pronounce it right? I remember, think I remember that. Somebody that I used to know. And, and yes, the Giants have not just one somebody that they used to know, but two now. Giants ownership allowed Dave Gettleman to retire, then faced extreme ire from the entire fan base on Black Monday regarding the retention of the head coach, who they also moved on shortly thereafter. What a difference a week makes over here, right? Two weeks makes around here. The head coach, Joe Judge, who ultimately amassed a 10-23 record throughout his tenure here in New York. The head coach, Joe Judge, whose team scored 26 total points throughout the final four games of the season. And the head coach, Joe Judge, who was the first coach in Giants history to lose 13 games in a single season. I'd asterisk that, though, because the 2017 Giants also lost 13 games. But that was under the leadership of both Ben McAdoo, who was fired midseason, and then Steve Spagnuolo. Now, to be fair, Joe Judge did not have a quarterback, had not had a quarterback since November 28th, Week 12, which also happens to be the most recent game that the Giants won. Every L after that, and there were six of them, were on the arms of Mike Glennon and or Jake Fromm. Did Joe Judge get a fair shake here in New York? We will debate that a little later. A veteran backup quarterback must be the number one on on any incoming general manager's to-do list. Not saying that this is what I would recommend, but Giants fans, be prepared. Start bracing yourself for Mitchell Trubisky. As a backup, that is, at least. He fits the really non-existent Giants budget. And guess who he currently backs up? Oh, yeah, Josh Allen. Where? Oh, yeah, in in Buffalo. Which, oh, yeah, leads me to my next point. Since the last time we've talked, the Giants obviously have let go their general manager and their head coach, and they've hired a new general manager. Man, would I have liked to have been with you throughout the ups and downs of this roller coaster, but have no fear, I am here now, and so is the new general manager, Joe Shane. I'm telling you right now, the dark days at the Meadowlands are over. That ugly rain cloud hanging over the Giants for the past decade is about to be, I should have used Carrie Underwood's, blown away. Because the Giants got their guy, and Joe Shane was absolutely the right choice. In fact, you know that I do my research. He was my first, and he was my really only choice for this team moving forward. You know, Giants fans' faith and in, in, in the, in the team's ownership really wavered. And, and I was there week 18 at that game, at that freezing cold game at the Meadowlands. Me and six other people were there. Was it six? Yes, there were seven of us total. I was there. And I was recognized by, by the guy wearing the bag over his head, the guy that was all over the New York newspapers. But you have to give Giants ownership some credit here. John Mara and Steve Tisch were receptive to the criticisms directed directly at them. You know how I know that? Well, I don't, but I could read between the lines. One, John Mara basically said it in that end-of-season press conference, or the most recent one, I guess. Here's the quote. When he was asked about this season being the lowest moment of his ownership tenure, he said, quote, Honestly, I would have to say yes. Yes, it is. 
I kept thinking during the season that we had hit rock bottom, and then each week it got a little worse. Honestly, I'm not proud of saying this, but if I'm going to be 100% honest, then I would have to say that the answer is yes. End quote from John Mara. And so he and Steve Tisch made a change to their entire process. You have to give the Giants ownership some credit. They looked outside of their own building for a new person in charge, which is absolutely the direction that this team needed to go. I mean, since the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl on February 5th, 2012, the Giants have only made the playoffs once, one time. And that was the boat trip pitcher taken before the Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy destroying at Lambeau Field in the wildcard round. Think about that. In the past 10 full seasons, the mighty Giants, the flagship Giants, have played in exactly one playoff game. One. They've had five straight double-digit losing seasons, and they have not won the lowly NFC East since the year of the Super Bowl victory, that last one that they had in 2012. The literal worst division in football. The Giants have not been able to look up, lock up the worst division in football. Not one single time in a decade. So for the Giants to have promoted someone from within the organization who would have figured to be a major part of this losing culture over the past decade... To then lead the organization, it would have been disastrous. It would have been more of the same old ridiculousness that spun this organization from a once-proud flagship one to an embarrassing dumpster fire one. And guess what? Ownership was receptive enough to step back, look at this entire situation objectively, realize that, and then agree to terms with their top choice from outside the team. Good for them. This organization is now better because of it. And you have to give the Giants ownership some more credit. Speaking of, John Mara and Steve Tisch's three finalists were cherry-picked only from winning organizations whose teams are still in the playoffs on division around weekend. And one of them, the 49ers, is on to the NFC Championship game. And more importantly than just this season and this weekend, those organizations... They've had sustained success. Take, for example, Joe Shane, who they ended up hiring from the Bills. You know, Buffalo went to the playoffs in four of the five seasons that Shane was assistant general manager, including last season's appearance in the AFC Championship. And if you ask me, spoiler alert, I think they're headed back there this season. And who knows what this season's going to bring. That Bills-Chiefs game, I'll tell you my rationale based on my analysis a little later in the show. Then another finalist was Ryan Poles, who is in his 13th year with the aforementioned Chiefs. And in that time, the Chiefs won the AFC West seven times. They went to the playoffs nine times, and they won a Super Bowl. They've made the playoffs in each of the past seven seasons. I'm telling you, sustained success. And you can't forget about Adam Peters who is now currently in his fourth year with the 49ers. During that time frame, twice San Francisco has reached the playoffs. Once 
losing in the Super Bowl, and they're still alive. So when John Maris said in that State of the Giants press conference, he said, quote, I'm always conscious of personnel around the league. I always keep a list of possible head coaches and possible GMs. I look at the successful teams at what they're doing, end quote. To me, it's evident. I believe him. And I think that he and Steve Tisch had a good feel of the pulse of this entire search this time around. And then the fourth reason why you got to give some credit to Giants ownership is that John Mara and Steve Tisch recognized the fact that they also needed to get someone in the building who was much younger and much more cutting edge in the NFL. I mean, ownership made that point clear. Shane, who they hired, is 42 years old. Gettleman is 70. And the other two finalists, well, Peters was 42. And Ryan Poles, get this, 36. Joe Shane was quite obviously the Giants' first choice. He was their first interview just, what, two days after Gettleman cleaned out his office with, with, with the, the cardboard boxes? Shane flew, Shane flew on to round two where he was, again, the Giants' first interview. There is no better way that ownership could have played that. They were not playing around. And while he was clearly the Giants' first choice, I heard on another show that the Giants were his first choice, too. A perfect marriage. Joe Shane was my first and and only choice as well, as I said. And you know I do my research. Giants fans, you have a ton to be excited about regarding Joe Shane. He checks off all of the boxes that I had as qualifications for the Giants' general manager vacancy. A, most importantly, he's either been a scout or an executive, and both were important to me, in the NFL. In the NFL, at the professional level for 20 years, since the guy was 22 years old. He is the smartest guy in the room. But, as Brandon Bean, who's the general manager of the Bills, said in a conference call Friday, quote, he's not going to walk into the office like he has all the answers, end quote. That tells me that he's always ready, willing to evolve, to learn. Because let's face it, in any job, the moment that you feel like you've got all the answers is the day you should hang him up. And also, the executive experience is important because as we talked about before a while ago, two, actually probably three weeks ago at this point, maybe even four, the Giants cap situation for next season as it stands right now is dire. In reality, it's salary cap hell, if we're being honest. And Brandon Bean, on that conference call Friday, said that, as a quote, Joe Shane has run draft and free agency meetings. There's nothing he hasn't seen, end quote. How amazing is that, Giants fans, to get a guy so ready for the job that he doesn't even have to learn on it? Furthermore, and probably the best thing about Joe Shane in this current Giants scenario is this. Brandon Bean let let Shane be involved in everything in Buffalo. And that's a quote from him. And before that, Joe Shane led Miami's preparation, assessment, and acquisition of potential professional and collegiate free agents. He spearheaded NFL draft operations for the Dolphins way back when, more than five years ago, including the evaluation and draft board construction. I mean, how awesome is that? For a team with the number five and the number seven overall picks in the first round and the nine total picks coming in this upcoming draft, how awesome is that for the Giants to go out and get a guy who has run draft boards and draft evaluation for the better part of 
five in Buffalo, and who knows how many in Miami. And B, look at look at his track record over the past five seasons in Buffalo. We already talked about the Bills having made the playoffs in, in four of the five seasons that he's been assistant GM. But Bean said that Shane was a big part of the evaluation process and the selection of Josh Allen. Josh Allen, who, by the way, was my number one pick that in that draft class. On the record, go ahead and look it up. You know, the Josh Allen that led seven consecutive touchdown drives last week. Bean and Shane have also inquired Stefan Diggs, Devin Singletary, Dawson Knox, and two of the best safeties in the league, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Together, the two of them built this perennial playoff team basically from the ground up. And how about this? When he arrived, the Bills snapped a streak of missing the playoffs for 17 consecutive seasons. Sound familiar, Giants fans? Sound hopeful, Giants fans? And see, you know what I also like about Joe Shane? I love these type of guys. He literally worked his way up the ranks. This was not a fancy plug-and-play decision by Giants ownership. And I think of Brody Van Wagenen with the Mets when I say that. This is the total opposite. Shane started as a ticket office intern with the Carolina Panthers. Then he was a scouting assistant. That sucks, right? Et cetera, et cetera. Bean said Shane was a grunt scout and that he was a quick riser because people trusted his evaluation. You could tell that he had what it takes. And that's from Brandon Bean. If you've got it, people know it. People recognize it. Just a glowing reaction of Shane by Bean all around. I mean, he's been Bean's number two for, for all five seasons in Buffalo. He's his right-hand man. He's consigliere, as they say in Italian. And my favorite line from Bean, he says, you can't replace people like that right away. Giants fans, your team got it so, so right. Congratulations. And in John Mara's that press conference that he just recently had, I guess it was, what, last week, the week before? John Mara appealed to you, Giants fans, when he said, quote, I haven't given them any chance to believe that I will get it right this time. It's up to Steve and I to make the right choices going forward to earn back the Giants fans' trust. That is not going to be an overnight process. That's going to take some time. But it starts with getting the GM pick done correctly and then with the hiring of the right head coach. That, that's going to be a process that we're willing to have to earn their trust again. End quote from John Mara. Giants fans, they got the GM correct. Check mark on that. That's a big fat check mark on that one. To the head coach search, Giants Nation pivots. So let's get it going. I have set the table for you. I see the phone lines are full. Keep trying if it's busy. You can also tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I can't wait to talk with you at 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan right after midnight here on The Fan in New York City. She's up all night to the sun. I'm up all night to get some. She's up all night for I'm up night to get lucky. After midnight here on The Fan in New York City on this exciting, upset, special weekend. NFL Divisional Playoff weekend. You got the, the Bengals moving on on a McPherson last-second field goal. And then you got the 49ers moving on on a Robbie Gold last-second field goal. The two number one seeds are out. The New York Giants have a brand-new home run Grand Slam selection at general manager. 
and you are on the phones, ready and willing to to weigh in on all of this. I'm excited to talk with you at 877-337-6666. To Shane in Detroit, you are the leadoff caller of the night. Welcome to the show. What's going on, Dad? This is Shane in Detroit. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Shane? Oh, hold, hold. I'm good. How are you? I, so what, what I want to talk about is Aaron Rodgers. Well, I feel like I talked to someone this morning and said the, the Niners were going to win. I don't know who that was, but... Um, Going back to what I was talking about, the Aaron Rodgers, when are we going to stop giving him all the excuses and the weapons and all that? And when is he going to become overrated and not the most talented quarterback of all time, like we've heard? I mean, 7-9 and nine in, in, the, in the playoffs since, he, since that Super Bowl? I mean, I think the word overrated is creeping into the dictionaries of a lot of football fans regarding Aaron Rodgers, and I think it's warranted. I agree. I think that he, he hasn't – first of all, he always talks about this comeback against San Francisco. They didn't draft him. Yeah, yeah. He wants to come back and, sh- he wants to come back and show him what they missed on, and he never, he never does. Mm. So w- w- what's that about? Yeah, and Jimmy Garoppolo's got more rings than he does. How's that? Well, exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. And then also, I don't want to say uh, – the same thing happened for two games today. Ryan Tannehill and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. What I'm saying is – or Joe Burrow and Jimmy Garoppolo. Both their teams played not necessarily great. Or the quarterbacks both played – semi-bad, and they both won. So what's stopping them from winning next week if their team plays to potential, like Joe, cool Joe usually does, and Debo usually does. Not saying Debo had a bad game, but he didn't play particularly great, didn't mm-hmm. score. So what's stopping them from winning, a, winning the championships in the perspective divisions yeah. or conferences? You know, and, and Shane, that's a great question there. And, and the one thing I will say is the, the one thing that's going to be stopping the Bengals is going to be the Bills. The Bills' defense is stifling. I mean, I, 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 spoiler alert, I think the Bills are beating the Chiefs tomorrow, uh, upsetting the Chiefs, that is, on this upset weekend. Um, I, I think their defense is just absolutely elite. And as long as uh, Ar- um, Josh Allen can keep the turnovers, mistakes to a minimum, they're going to win. They're going to beat the Chiefs. So that's the one thing I would say. I don't think that the Bengals are ready for, for the Bills' defense, should the Bills move on. Uh, and then the other thing is, I don't know. I mean, the 49ers, you heard Michael Strahan in the postgame, if you're watching on TV, and I think at halftime he said it too. He compared this team, this 49ers team, to, to his Giants team. You know, really reliant upon the defense and the defensive line especially. Um, and, and, and the quarterback only making throws when he kind of really has to. There's a lot of similarities I, I think you can draw from, from this 49ers team to that Giants team. So, I... I, I I don't know if there's anything that's going to be stopping them. But then you look and you you got Tom Brady lurking, looming, I should say, looming. We'll see what happens with that game. That'll be my my prediction is coming up on that game in a little bit. But um, 49ers and the Bengals are coming in with all the momentum, having upset both of them, having upset the number one seed in both the AFC and the NFC. And the turnovers with Ryan Tannehill killed them. And they're they're showing uh, – Replay of them on the TV in the studio right now. <laughs> and Ryan Tannehill just on the sidelines rolling his eyes. To Leonardo we go in Manhattan. Leo, ciao. Buonasera, Daniela. Come inside. Buonasera. Bene, bene. Tu? Uh, molto bene, grazie. Um, hey, I got your LinkedIn message. Thank you very much. And I have two questions for you. Over the holiday break, mm-hmm. uh, have you seen American Underdog yet? I have not. I'll be honest, I haven't. It's on the list. I, I want to really badly. I've heard mixed things about it. Have you seen it? Mixed? Mixed? I've heard bad, Oops. and I've heard good. Bad? 
I've heard oh bad. Oh, my God. Yeah. Man. By someone here great. actually said it was bad. Who is that? I, I'm going <laughs> to delete them from Instagram right, right away. But, oh, no. Uh, I don't know if they have I Instagram. thought it was great. I mean, it was a great story. You know, there's a lot of faith in but What a, you know, I mean, he went to the, you know, the arena football championship. He broke every record there. You're too young to remember arena football, maybe. But I think it's just a great story. His wife is a great person. You definitely watch it. And maybe you could tweet about it when you um, when you when you see it. That would I would appreciate. I know that. you know what though, Leo. Uh, I, I, no one. Yeah. I don't know anybody that would actually want to go and see it with me. <laughs> I mean, I, well, I, it'll come to. It'll be streaming. I'm sure pretty soon. You think so? Was it like if I brought a one of my friends that's not really like a football fan? Would they enjoy it or no? Well, I went with my daughter. Maybe you can go with your father. Oh yeah, maybe. Oh yeah, that's and a good I, and idea. That brings me to my next question, like. You know, I, I mean, you know, I'm old enough to remember, but I don't, I don't know if I was following the Giants that much back then because I kind of started with Eli and Coughlin. Mm-hmm. Kurt was the man. I mean, he had every tool that you could want in in a, in a quarterback, and he was kind of that gunslinger type. I mean, I wonder if the Giants might have won more, or at least as many Super Bowls, if not more, if they had Kurt. I mean, he he went to another Super Bowl after he left the Giants. Yeah. You know, what do you remember from that period of the Giants? Um, yeah, good question there, Leonardo. Uh, so what I remember, I remember that freezing cold game. I remember being in my dorm room when, when, uh, when David Tyree got, caught the ball on his helmet. Um, but I also remember, and it's funny you asked that because I was thinking about this uh, a little earlier today. I remember, I'm not sure if it was a Christmas day game or Christmas weekend, me, my dad and my brother, we got somehow some really good seats, um, it was a Giants Saints game, and I remember looking up and over my right sh- right shoulder, and it was this was early, really early. I guess I was still in high school, and uh, there was a guy with a bag over his head that said "Fire Coughlin and Fire Eli," or "Trade Eli," and and I, when you think about that, and then how far that team had come, two Super Bowls later, I wonder where that guy is—the guy with the bag over his head that said "Fire Coughlin and Fire Eli." So. I don't know. It's just funny. It's just how funny uh, and fickle a fan base could be. Dan in, in Nashville. Dan, I got to get to Nashville. What is the best bar to go to? What should be my number one? Oh, man. It depends what you're looking for. Uh, you can go down to Broadway and uh, forget your cares. Or you can go to Music Row, catch some uh, better uh, independent bands. It's a good time, no matter what you pick. Yeah, and the Grand Ole Opry, too, right? I, I got to get there. Yeah, you know what? My parents came down, and we went to uh, the Grand Ole Opry, and uh, it's, a, it's like a country-western variety show. It's a good time. And you don't know, and that, is it true, like, you don't know who's going to be playing until, like, like, a week or two before, and the, the tickets are cheap, and whoever it is, you just go and see? And it could be some really good people, right? Yeah. Um, they've had uh, bigger names just, like, pop in, kind of like a comedy show, like, you know, you go to the comedy store, you don't know. It might be Dave Chappelle, Joe Rogan, whatever. Yeah. Or it might be like an improv. Right. You know? Yeah. But I, it's a I good time. Get there. Uh-oh. Dan, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay, got okay. Me? Oh, yeah, yeah, got you. All right, so go ahead. You have a baseball point. Yeah, I know this is kind of like a lukewarm stove, but uh, yeah. I wanted to validate a couple ideas I have for expanding the interest in uh, Major League Baseball. Is it number um, one putting a team in Nashville? You know what? Uh, there is an effort to get one here. I think Bob Gibson, Justin Timberlake are heading up that oh, effort. Oh, man. But... Imagine that would be my new favorite team. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, 
They're they're looking to name it the Nashville Stars after the Negro League team. Really? Yeah. Look at you breaking some news here on the show. Nah, I think that came out uh, like five, six months ago, but happy to do so. Heard it here first from Dan. Yeah, there you go, Dan. All right, so uh, what do you want to hear about first, the scheduling or the field? The field. All right, so obviously we've seen an up- uptick in home runs, uh, downtick and on, be- on base percentage and mm-hmm. slugging percentage, and to bring back fan engagement without – curating the fabric of the game. I just wanted to get your viewpoint on this is what I call a progressive purist of the game. Um, So with the field, you want to increase the minimum field square footage right now. There's only 60 feet, six inches, 90 feet, 325 down the line, 400 center field. If we increase that and then put more emphasis on athletic ability while increasing the chance of a contact hit, falling between the, the fielders, mm-hmm. we're going to bring more excitement to the game. We're going to force pitchers to think, you know, placing the ball to avoid contact, hitters right. going after solid contact. Right. So that's idea number one. Um, yeah, I don't know I, that the ML – I don't know if Major League Baseball would go for that, though, because at the moment they don't see baseball as you and I see it. They don't see that as exciting. You know, they want to move the fences in. They want to decrease the amount of surface area in the outfield so that the ball goes out. That's where they're at. I like it. I don't know that they would. I totally see that. But if they don't see the future of where the game's going, like fans want to see action on the base path. Yep. That's what holds our attention. I mean, Mm -hmm. home runs are exciting, but they're not the most exciting play in the game. The doubles, triples, the inside the park home runs. Yeah. A bunt. Sacrifice bunt. I think that's exciting. Of course, of course. Let's let's create some excitement without putting an emphasis on gambling. Mm-hmm. So, second point. Thank you for this time. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, second point with the scheduling: mandatory seven, minimum seven game series. So it'd be seven games on the same team, one game, one day off. Regular season. Yeah, regular season. So the reason I say this: you could do twenty-three series with one game off in between series it's a travel day it's an off day and it benefits from all you see benefits from all over the place first it decreases player travel so less weariness from travel Uh, also i i get it i I don't know i think seven might be a little too many um maybe five if anything and without the off day in between or four i mean that's kind of where we're at now for I don't know, Dan. I'm not crazy about that, really, because I like the fact that you know you have to line, you have to manage your your pitching rotation to line up against you know you got the Mets coming to town, you got Jacob Degrom. You want to make your make sure your ace is going against him. Um, I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I'm I'm not crazy about that. I think that would get a little boring, honestly, because if you're looking at the same matchups and the same lineups every day, it's kind of like, all right, yeah, yeah. That's your point. But to counterpoint that, hitters are going to see at least two starting pitchers twice in the same series. Yeah. They're going to become familiar, increase the amount of offense. Yeah. Well, plus, they're going to form more rivalries because, let's face it, you play the same team for seven straight games, you're going to grow tired of each other. I see where you're going with that. And, and both of them align with your, your main premise, which I agree with, is you know create more offense, create more excitement in the game. You know. 
not based on home runs and strikeouts and and, and walks. And I get that. Uh, I don't. I don't like the seven game series. I don't. I just. I, I understand that it creates a little animosity built in. This and that. I'm just not crazy about it. And I don't think MLB would ever move to just the you know the league would ever move to something where they would want to. Uh, decrease the number of home runs based on the trajectory that they've been on. They just want to increase them all. So I don't know. Dan, I think they're good points. I just don't think baseball would go for it. And, you know, um, back to the Giants, they hit a a total grand slam with that selection of Joe Shane as their general manager. And, you know, all eyes have turned to the head coaching search. And the Giants are not wasting any time. They – have uh, they, they've interviewed two two guys already from Buffalo? Brian Dable is the offensive coordinator, and Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator. They've already been interviewed. Put them in the books. I'll tell you something. There is one guy, one person that I would hope the Giants would stay away from. One guy that I would not touch with a ten foot pole whatsoever at all. I'll tell you who that is. Coming up next here on The Fan, I'm Danielle McCartan. And call, give me a call at 877-337-6666. Well, welcome to the party here on The Fan. I'm Danielle McCartan. He's Pat Boyle on the ones and twos. And welcome to New York, Joe Shane. You know, he said... In a statement, my immediate focus is to hire a head coach with whom I will work in lockstep with to create a collaborative environment for our football operations. We will cast a wide net. It could be former head coaches, first-time head coaches, but more importantly, it has to be a person who possesses the ability to lead an organization and the ability to motivate and develop players. End quote from Joe Shane. So who will it be? Well, Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator for the Bills, already interviewed for the Bears job. And was the Giants' first interview on Friday, January 21st. And if you know anything about the Giants' hiring process this year, uh, they interviewed Joe Shane first as well in the first and second round. So that speaks volumes to me that that might be their number one pick. The Giants also followed up his interview with the Bills' defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, just a few hours ago uh, on on Saturday afternoon-ish. So, not for nothing. But when the Jets, I just got a tweet from from Bobby Thompson. Bobby, I'm about to answer it right now. Not for nothing, but when the Jets were looking for a head coach after Adam Guru was fired, Brian Dable was my first choice for the Jets back then. We talked about it here on air. It's on the record. Brian Dable is now my first choice for the Giants head coach opening. And you know who I would not touch with a 10-foot pole? You want to know? Turn up the volume. Get a little closer. If I'm the Giants, I want absolutely nothing to do with Brian Flores. Hard no. No go. Forget about it from me. All you need to do is Google why he, like Judge, another branch of the Beltrick tree, was let go so, air quotes, surprisingly, from the Dolphins. Ready? Excuse me, I'm getting all excited here. The Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, in a statement said, after evaluating where we are as an organization and what we need going forward to improve, I determined that key dynamics of our football organization weren't functioning at a level I want it to be, and I felt this decision was in the best interest 
of the Miami Dolphins. End quote from the owner of the Dolphins. You want to know some of the reasons that Brian Flores was a no-go from me? Exhibit A. Ian Rappaport told Good Morning Football, this has been boiling for the last, I would say, more than a month. Exhibit B. ESPN reporter Jeff Darlington said the decision to fire Flores can be summed up in one word, relationships. His relationship with Greer, who's the Dolphins GM, and Tua Tungavailoa deteriorated to a pretty bad place. Along with the constant staff changes, owner Steve Ross no longer served Flores as a healthy fit for Miami. Then a source told CBS, there's a really negative vibe down there. A lot of players do not trust Brian Flores. Flo thinks he's a player's coach with an open-door policy, but I know a number of players who would tell you that they don't really think he's approachable or flexible. Then, maybe the same source or a different source told CBS, there is still too much of that New England stuff going on. It just doesn't work. There is a psychology to handling players and building a team, and you have to be able to connect and motivate. That's not the vibe there. It's pretty bad. And then you had former NFL general manager Mike Lombardi said on the GM Shuffle podcast that Flores was confrontational. That's the word he used. Confrontational with Tongue of Iowa. Lombardi said the conversation was, if I knew you were going to be this bad, Tua, I would have taken Mac Jones. And after Twitter backlash, Lombardi said he misspoke. Spoiler alert, not all of these reports could be classified as erroneous. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And quite frankly, if any one of these single things are true, which based on the tone of the owner's statement, I'm going to go ahead and venture to guess, yes, if I'm a Giants, I want absolutely zero, no part of Brian Flores. I'm getting some tweets saying, Dan Quinn, exclamation point. Dan Quinn, yeah? You want the guy who, who led the biggest collapse in, in Super Bowl history to lead your team to the promised land? Yeah, all right. Yeah, okay. Not. That's a no from me, too. It's Brian Dable. Dable or bust. Let's go to the phones. 877-337-6666. Dom in Edgewater. What's up, Dom? Well, well, well. Husky pride back on the fan. How are you, Dan? <laughs> Great, Tom. How are you? Good. You know I'm going to say that every time. So I know. Um, I love it. Thank you. Uh, and always a pleasure to talk to you. And, uh, you know, from being from my hometown, you know, what a success you are. Uh, so congratulations. Uh, thanks, and, uh, Tom. Keep it going. Uh, I, want, I wanted to shift gears a little bit. Uh, and I am happy that Giants got the right GM. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, I wanted to talk about the Brooklyn Nets for just a second. Yeah. Because... Uh, course getting over kevin durant's injury and knowing when the heck joe harris is going to come back mm -hmm. uh you know it's a real little uncertain but here's an interesting statistic i came up with because as you if you have watched the brooklyn nets lately and this is for all nets fans steve nash you better be listening to this because <laughs> you've got on my last nerve for all i'm concerned the nets in the fourth quarter of games 22 wins 22 losses and one tie in the fourth quarter alone when, they, when they're playing in the fourth quarter. Now, this is a championship team that is championship robust. Mm -hmm. Okay? They've had a lot of slip-ups. Should have beaten Cleveland. Should have destroyed Washington. Okay? 
the Spurs, finally, yeah, they took care of them in the second half. But this is a team that is championship or bust. And I'm afraid that this is the only thing I worry about come playoff time. Because, you know, the Nets are 13 games over 500, and hopefully they'll get the top seed in the Eastern Conference. We'll see. But it's the fourth quarter of games. You know, to use an old Tom Coughlin line, finish, finish, finish. Mm-hmm. And, if, you know, that's got to finish fourth quarters in order to win games. That's right. That's the bottom line. And I'm, I'm, I'm just concerned moving forward just because, you know, injuries right now are plaguing this team. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, I've been a Brooklyn Nets fan for over 23 years, and I'm like, oh, can I just have one team? Can I have one team in my life where it's 100% healthy? Yeah, I mean, no. I remember going back <laughs> to the Jason Kidd days and yeah. the Kenyon Martin days. Yes. And I, Danny, I don't you remember this, but um, back then with the Nets games and the Continental Airlines, uh, Continental Airlines, Airlines yeah. they had the McDonald's four-pack. Now, I thought that was probably one of the greatest things ever. Uh invented for the Nets, but, you know, that's in the past, the present's the present. I just hope Brooklyn keeps pushing forward, win the championship, and Brooklyn Nets win the fourth quarter. Danny Mack, thanks very much. Yeah, thanks, Dom. And and, and it, it helps that the other night that Kyrie Irving was back on, on the road and James Harden, they combined for 26 points. That does help you win games in the fourth quarter. Kyrie Irving, 15 points alone in that fourth quarter. So, um, there's a lot to build on, you would hope, at that point in time. Kevin Durant, they're obviously missing him. And Joe Harris, they are, too, missing him. And it's really uncertain as, as, to, as to when he's going to be coming back whatsoever at all. And here's a Kenyon Martin story. You want to know this? Uh, my dad uh, asked my brother and I to go food shopping with him one night. They just, he just had to run out and get something. And um, I forget, was it the AMP? I forget the name of the place. I, we were young. And... Uh, I still, to this day, hate going food shopping, so it was a hard no from me on that. He was like, hey, you guys want to just run out? I got to go. Come with me. I got to get this and this. We were like, no, we're not going. Me and my brother, both of us, we're not going. You know who he meets in, in the Stop and Shop in Closter? I guess Stop and Shop, A&P in Closter. The one right by the, there's like a, there's a gas station over there. If you if you know Bergen County, you know where I'm talking about. Down the hill, um, I think there's a Korean church, I think right on the corner there. Either way, anyway. At the food store, the one that we, we, me and my brother didn't want to go to with my dad, Kenyon Martin was there food shopping as well. And my dad stopped him and he was like, my kids, this is before smartphones and even phones with cameras. He goes, my kids are going to hate me. And then Kenyon Martin said, well, they did tell you that they didn't want to come with you. So this, that's kind of cool. He stopped him. My dad stopped him right in the aisle. Kenyon Martin, there you go, in the closter. Closter food store. I guess it was an AMP. I don't know. There you go. That's a Kenny Martin story for you. A New Jersey net story for you. To the Bronx we go, and Juan, you are up next on the fan. Hi, Daniel. How are you? Great. How are you, Juan? Okay. It's uh, it's great. Tom, I caught you. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Listen, uh, two very short points, if you will. Yeah. Um, first, I thought the Packers will use their uh, foul weather as an ally to do away with the Niners, but they let them hang around and hang around, and we know what happens when you let people hang around. Mm, right? That's right. Yeah. And uh, one last thing. I share your exact uh, opinion about Brian Flores. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you have many Giant fans leaning in that direction. Yep. And they say, well, the guy won his last seven games. Well, he also lost his last eight. Yeah. Okay. And, you know what else, too? I thought about that, too, because, one, I knew someone was going to bring that up tonight. Guess what? Those guys were playing for their jobs at that point, too. Those players were playing for exactly. contracts. And, and if he's uh, snotty and confrontational, who the hell needs that? It's, We're trying to repair something. Yeah, it doesn't. That, to does, make it worse. that attitude doesn't fly here in New York. You know that. I mean, come on. I could say if the guy was somebody, okay? Yeah. Somebody, a guy that has won something. Yeah. And you say, oh, oh okay. But you're going to come inside, coming in, you're going to be confrontational? Yeah, right. Give me a break. Yeah, right. Thank you, Danielle. Yeah, you're welcome, Juan. And, and that would be horrendous for the Giants. If if he comes in here with the reputation that he already has, clearly documented, to come in here and start trying to bust heads around here, forget about it. Brian Flores, forget about it. The guy is going to last not even a full season here. You, you might as well just call any of the guys still on the, on the payroll for the Giants. You might as well just bring Joe Judge back at that point because you're already paying him. Forget about it. Brian Flores would be a huge bust here in New York. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're right on target with that. Marty in Westchester, you're up next on The Fan. Yes, good morning, Danielle. Always uh, nice to talk to you. I'd like to uh, discuss the pack of 49er game uh, tonight and a string of disappointing playoff losses for uh, Aaron Rodgers. This has to be uh, the worst. I mean, the absolute worst for him and, and, the, and, the, and the team itself. I mean, for a team that finished 13-3 and three, and a team that had the number one seed in the NFC, uh, that was a horrible display of special teams. Advantage. Horrible. I mean, uh, turning point, obviously, at the end of the first half. Actually, they had a chance to go up 14 to nothing. And, you know, obviously they have to sell for the field goal, and the field goal gets blocked. Yep. They could not have had a good feeling going into halftime with no only way. a 7 nothing lead. Yep. And at that point, I had my doubts. I said, boy, they're letting the 49ers hang around. That's and right. sure enough, I mean, they made that big play at the end with the block punt. Yep. And also the Packer offense went into a shell in the second half. What, 65 yards of total offense, I believe? Horrible. So Aaron Rodgers has to take a hit, hit also. And I really believe the air of invincibility at Lambeau Field come playoff time is gone. I mean, for a while, if you go back to the Brett Favre uh, era, uh, the pack is just about unbeatable at Lambeau in January, but that that that's completely disappeared. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the, the the word overrated is starting to creep into a lot of people's dictionaries here and a lot of people's lexicon regarding Aaron Rodgers. Don't you think? I, I mean, I think I think I agree with that. I think we're we're getting there. I mean, how could you I be really such think a, this, a was, this was a year. This yeah. was supposed to be the year that he would finally get to yep. his second Super Bowl after last year's uh, disappointment against the Buccaneers. Well, and also, too, about the whole drama he had at the beginning of this season, stamping his feet, I want it this way, this is the way I want it. They finally got it the way he wanted it, and he still couldn't do anything with it. What does that tell you? Right. Yeah. So now we're going to face another offseason of Aaron Rodgers' stories. Is he going to stay in Green Bay? Right. Is he going to go elsewhere? It's going to be another soap opera. Yep, exactly. And you know what? I hate it, but you know it's going to be talked about here. And for anybody listening, Aaron Rodgers is not coming to the Giants. I hate to break it to you guys. He's not coming to the Giants. There's no reason for uh, him to come to the Giants. Oh, uh, Not to a rebuilding situation. Definitely not. No, not at all. 
And Marty, thanks for the call. I appreciate that. And and you look at what the Giants need to do. They need an offensive line. They have literally like no cap space. So I don't even know how they would have even be able to afford Aaron Rodgers. Were they going to cut the whole team? Okay, let's just cut the whole team. We'll have Aaron Rodgers as quarterback. Come on. They have no offensive line. He would never sign up to play behind behind an offensive line like that. So is Aaron Rodgers overrated? Seven in nine in the postseason since he won the Super Bowl. Ten years, what, 2011 was that Super Bowl? Eleven years ago? Seven and nine? That's not elite. And this is a guy who stamped his feet and said, this is the way I want it. This is the way it's going to be. I want so-and-so. This is how I want my team to be. And then he gets beat for the fourth time in his career by the San Francisco 49ers, the team that passed on him in the draft. The the famous quote posted yet again, seems to be every year at this time this quote is posted online. Oh, yeah, well, that the uh, 49ers are going to regret not drafting me. Well, are they? Because they beat you four times in the postseason. They beat you four times in the playoffs. Are they really going to regret it? They beat you with Jimmy Garoppolo, who has one arm and, and nine fingers <laughs> with his thumb injury and the shoulder injury. One arm and nine fingers, Garoppolo beat you. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo has more Super Bowl rings than you do. So, overrated? I don't know. I texted my brother, who is a, a, the Packers fan, as, as you all know, and he's uh, now part owner of the Packers, might I add. Christmas present, one share of the Packers. Um, I texted him before. I said, are you crying? He didn't answer me. I don't know. Maybe he is still crying. I don't know. But uh, I I texted him earlier. Got to be nervous. Didn't answer me. And I said, are you crying? Didn't answer me. (laughs) Yikes. Uh Uh-oh. The one thing I am sad about is that uh, Vernon in Manhattan said he was going to send my brother uh, some, some merch if uh, Packers won the Super Bowl, and if Aaron Rodgers was the MVP. So that is now out the window. Vernon, if you're listening, give us a call. (laughs) We want to discuss that with you. I saw the pictures that you sent me in my email. Really nice stuff. You're a good person, Vernon. But, oh, man, oh, man. What an upset. What upsets have occurred this weekend? Will there be another one? Will the Bills upset the Chiefs? I think so. I think they will. And then you got, of course, the GOAT, the gr- the greatest ever, Tom Brady. I hate to even say that sitting here. Tom Brady and the Rams, who have been quite have a new GM. I'll take your calls also, too, about which way you think the head coaching search should go. And the phone number is 877-337-6666. And here's a quick update from Greg Caserta, who's sitting right to two seats to my left. He's here in studio and he's got some information for you guys. And we'll, I'll be back with you on the other side of his update. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night to get this. We've had a million, million nights just, just like this. this. Let's get down, let's get down to business. I'm Daniel McCartan with you for one more hour here on The Fan in New York City. He's Pat Boyle on the ones and twos and on the phones. Brian McKeon comes your way at 2 a.m. And maybe you've seen the story and and maybe you haven't yet. Um, This is a feel-good story. Daniel Jones, about him, what he did 
in in the local our local New Jersey community the other day. Um, you remember the story of the Red Bank Catholic high school quarterback that he he lost his biggest fan, his mother, to breast cancer. I don't know October November ish. And um, he went out the very next day in the NJSIA playoffs, put up eight touchdowns, and it it made national news. I mean, Tom Brady even sent the kid a message. Well, that quarterback, his name is Alex Brown, high school quarterback Alex Brown, and his dad are now headed to the Super Bowl in Los Angeles, and thanks to Daniel Jones and the New York Giants. And Daniel Jones FaceTimed him or sent him a video from the Giants locker room and said, you know, basically, you know, a cute little message for him and then offered him the two tickets. And so Alex Brown and his dad are going to the Super Bowl no matter who's playing in it. So just what an awesome gesture for that family who had been through just so much. And to Los Angeles, the city of angels, Alex Brown and his dad will go. Joined, I'm sure, in spirit. By Mrs. Brown, their very own angel. So good job, good news by the Giants, by Daniel Jones. Great work on that, and uh, have fun. Have fun, Alex Brown and Alex Brown's dad. Enjoy it. Stadium's beautiful, by the way. I was there uh, to watch the Giants lose to the Chargers, but uh stadium is beautiful. It was, it was something else. And then I look at that, and then I look at the Las Vegas Raiders Stadium, which is also beautiful, and then I look at what we have in the Meadowlands. Um, not beautiful. To Robbie and Lennox we go. Uh, there we go. Robbie, you're up on the fan. Coach, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, it's been a while. So, uh, listen, uh, before I talk about the games, I want to reflect on your comments on uh, Joe Shane. Uh, excellent hire. And I'll tell you, I don't want any part of Dan Quinn, and I don't want any part of Brian Flores. Nope. The guy I wish the Giants would interview is Jim Harbaugh. But I don't know if Harbaugh's going to come here. He might go to Chicago. No, he said but, he uh, would go to Vegas, actually, is what he said. Oh, yeah. Well, Vegas looks good for him, too. But I, I like your choice of Brian Dable. I think that, obviously, him and Shane working together in Buffalo makes sense mm-hmm. to me. And uh, he's done a really good job, obviously, running <laughs> Buffalo's offense. And uh, so we'll see what happens. But I have to talk about this Aaron Rodgers game. I, uh, Danielle, I have, I'll tell you, Matt LaFleur is a complete idiot. I mean, I don't understand the whole game plan. You know, your special teams are garbage, but it's 10-10 with four minutes left, and you have Rodgers throwing the ball 50 yards down the field to Devontae Adams, who's covered by two guys, and your second play before that was a, was a pass and almost got picked off. I mean, how about just running the ball and throwing a screen, getting your team up the field, getting a clock moving, your four-minute drive, and playing a more hurry-up offense? I could not believe the play calls and the execution by Green Bay. They were... It's amazing how they just fold in the playoffs. It's it's unbelievable watching them. It's not like they don't have a a stud running back either. You know, I could see if they like, you know, didn't have a running back like like the Bills. You know, like I don't understand it either. I I mean, I I don't get it either. You're right. That's a great point. I mean, run the football. What are you doing? You're throwing the ball in bad weather. I mean, I mean, Matt Lafleur. He just doesn't get it. Aaron Rodgers just doesn't get it either. Because to me, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're throwing some safe patterns. Where was the Green Bay tight end today? And I have to take my hat off to San Francisco. I mean, they stayed in the game. They played hard. You know, there's a there's a, a tough identity with this team, and I I would not be surprised if this team upsets either the Rams or the Bucks and gets to go to the Super Bowl because I, right now they're playing with with house money yeah. and they're playing with confidence. And Robbie Gould's like you know, the guy's not you know it's like a fine wine. He just gets better with age. Yeah. He's taking fifty yard field goals. So and then the other game too. I mean, Ryan Tannehill's terrible. I mean, I'm sorry. 
mean, and, 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 and decisions like by, you know, today, and I, and I like Mike Vrabel. I think he's a very fine head coach, but today, like, the decisions to, like, you know, sneak, sneak, you know, sneak him on a third and one, and then you run Henry from, like, you know, six yards in the backfield instead of running him, you know, up the line. Right, I mean, right. it's, Made a lot of dumb mistakes. I know, and he's, anyway, so. he was doing his best impression of Le'Veon Bell. Like, he was, like, t- trying to, you know, yeah. sidestep. Just run the ball right, right up the, the gut. Come on. Right. So, so, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, let me ask you, um, uh, I got to, you know, you mentioned about the Nets before. And I just want to mention one thing about the NBA. And, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm glad the Rangers won tonight because it was down 3-1 to the Coyotes. But yeah. about the Nets, I don't understand how the NBA or, or Adam Silver or the Nets organization or Sean Marks has the audacity to have an unvaccinated player playing on that team. I mean, it makes me sick to my stomach. Kyrie Irving makes me sick to my stomach. And and, and, and this is why the NBA is, is what it is. And you can tell, you know, millennials and people who like the game the way it is. But I tell you honestly – to me, a lot of times it's unwatchable. And when I think about the Knicks and how lazy they are in defense yeah. and how poorly and how poor Tom Thibodeau has coached this season, you know, Thibodeau's not the answer. He's the type of guy, he's like, you know, when Mike Keenan coached the Rangers, he's a guy that comes in there, he does a good job, and then, you know, his welcome, you know, in the next couple of years, he wears out his, his, his welcome. So, to me, you know, I don't know what the Knicks are going to do, but I'd rather see the young kids play. I'd rather see them get rid of Julius Randle and let, let the young kids play already because of Daniel, quite frankly. But I don't understand, just going back to my point, how in the world does the NBA allow unvaccinated players to play this game? And Carrier is a perfect example of why, why, why the NBA is so unappealing to me. So, anyway, Hunt, thanks for the time. As always, you sound great. Keep up the good work and all the best for 22. So Yeah, Robbie, thanks for that. Um, thanks. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to cut you out there. But um, I'll take – what you said, uh, listen, the, beyond my pay grade is the NBA's decision on vaccination status. That's beyond my pay grade. Um, rather would not comment on that. But the um, the Knicks, let the kids play. I mean, you're talking about, I saw a quote earlier that, that he said Cam Reddish is going to have to work his, work his way into the rotation. Why? Why? Because what you're doing is working? Because what you're doing is already working? Put him in there. Maybe he's the spark that this team needs. I'd like to see more minutes for for quickly. I'd like to see more minutes for Toppin. Let the kids play. You know, you can't allow the team to get down 25 points in the third quarter and then put the bench in and expect a miracle to happen. It happened, what, once? Figure out the rotations. I'm with you on that. Let the kids play. You know, I was telling someone this, this morning, actually, that I tried watching basketball. Oh, you know what? I was running on the treadmill today, and I was had a, the Auburn college basketball game on. It was so disjointed and so hard to watch. Foul there. Stop the clock. Commercial. This and that. It was just too much. It was just too much. I'm, I'm on the treadmill. I, I was on the treadmill for – I looked. It was like 13 minutes. Only three minutes of game time had gone by. It's unacceptable. It's just unacceptable. It's just uh, – it's too much. It's hard to watch. Rick. On the state of the Giants in Morristown, New Jersey. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing, Smith? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, you sparked my interest. I had to call in when you said that you was uh, a Josh, Josh Allen fan coming out of college. Because I even tweeted Kim Jones uh, that I, I wanted Josh Allen. But mm-hmm. I'm calling tonight because I just want to talk to Giants fans. And I've noticed in New York, the only time that we're ever patient is for Derek Jeter and Mark Messier. Everyone else, it seems like you want to just kick out of town. And when it comes to the New York Giants, I look at Daniel Jones, and I just wanted this one thing, and I'll hang up. Mm-hmm. We, Daniel Jones, coming out of college, I liked him. He was a four-year starter. Yeah. 
he was punched in the face. Yep. I, I don't I don't like any quarterback that ten and 0, 11 and 0, 12, Cam Newtons. I like the mm-hmm. Josh Allen's, the four year starters, teammates love him, plays for a team that mm-hmm. doesn't always win. That type of quarterback. Right. Daniel Jones checked all those boxes coming out of college. He did. Now he now you put him with, you know, what we would all say is not good coaching. Now we're ready to get rid of Gettleman, who we know is a failure. Mm-hmm. We're ready to get rid of uh of Judge, who we know is a failure. And then we just say we just throw out the baby with the bathwater with Daniel Jones and say, Oh, get rid of him too. Not even considering that, hey, maybe the coaching has something to do with it. Right. That. Right. So I, I so I would say all, to to our Giants fans once again, if you took the years and this is my last point, mm-hmm. if Daniel Jones' last name was was Manning, mm-hmm. would we all act like this? Mm-hmm. Do we not remember what Eli Manning looked like after his third year, the, the year that we went to the Super Bowl? Yeah, and that was that was uh probably the year or close to the year that I went to Gi- the Giants game in the old. Giants Stadium with my dad and my brother around Christmas time against the Saints, and people were saying, Trade Eli, he sucks, get rid of him. Yep. And then guess what? Yep. And then guess what happened? And then he went on a run. Yeah. So I'll hang up. I'll hang up. Uh, let you guys speak on this. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. you for taking my call. Yeah, Rick, thanks for making it. And, and you know what? If you look at Daniel Jones, just statistically, just on paper, he was a better quarterback without Joe Judge as his coach. Statistically, his rookie year, and I know there wasn't film on him, blah, 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 right? But but statistically, he had a better year, his rookie year, than his sophomore year or his junior year, to put it in school terms. Now he's in his senior year. He's in his fourth year with a new coach, with a new playbook. And for me, that is a, a little bit of, of cause for concern because it's like, it's like learning a new language three times in four years. That's what I would be concerned about. But I think he's got a golden opportunity to show what he can do. You would expect the Giants to to build an offensive line through the draft. I mean, Shane, I think the Bills' offensive line was either the first or the second-ranked unit in the league this season. I think second second best. So you you would think that with the line in front of him, he's going to be better. I believe that Daniel Jones will be better. I think he fits the prototypical mold of what you're looking for in a quarterback. The guy can run. He's built. He he and Josh Allen, I got laughed at the other day at lunch when I said this to one of the other teachers. He's a Cowboy fan. But I said, Daniel Jones and, and Josh Allen, on in, in theory, are, are very similar. They are both bigger quarterbacks who can run the ball effectively. And, you know, effectively meaning... Um, at the right times, they know when to do it at the right times, and 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 they're fast and they're agile and they could break off long runs when necessary, and they both have big arms. I got laughed at, and I'm not sure why I got laughed at. But if you want Daniel Jones to make the next step, Brian Dable is your answer. Sorry, spoiler alert. Brian Dable is your answer. Look what he did with Josh Allen. Look how he developed Josh Allen. Daniel Jones. I'm telling you, will look like a different player with an offensive line in front of him, coached up the right way. I'm telling you, the kid has the talent to do it. Let's go to Louie in Long Island. You're up on the fan, Louie. What's up, McCartan? How are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. I've been listening to you for a while now, and I just want to tell you I love your show. Thank you. Uh, 
I don't have anything to say about what I previously called in on because a lot of people spoke on it. All I just want to say is like com- comparing Jimmy Garoppolo's two Super Bowl rings as a backup mm-hmm. to Tom Brady against Aaron Rodgers is I mean, I don't I don't even know where you're going with that one. Well, all I'm going with that one is that Jimmy Garoppolo has two rings in his safe and Aaron Rodgers only has one. All right. I mean, <laughs> technically, you're right, but, but I mean, right. So I am. I, I understand I, that, right? But here's here's where, here's where I'm going with this. It's all about confidence, is what I'm thinking right now. When you get to the point in the the point in the season where we're at right now, it's all about the guy the guys who are playing with confidence and who have confidence in the guys that are playing alongside them and in themselves. And what I'm saying is. It looked like it looked like Aaron Rodgers had confidence. It looked like Green Bay defense had enough confidence that eventually it'll go to uh, uh, you know Aaron Rodgers taking him down the field for the final score. My point my point is is that when it when it comes down to it in the end of these games, it's having the confidence in each other and and having the grit to look to look to the other person and know that you're gonna, you're going to pull your weight. And yeah. and I think that the teams that have come out, the Bengals today, really showed uh, a lot of grit. I think I think they're going to give whoever wins the Kansas City Bills game uh, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I think I think you're going to see a much better game than most people are going to think of. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that you're going to see a lot of scrappy games come next week. Um, and, and Louis, uh, you eventually you made the point, and and yes, I agree with you. And, and, and at this point. Confidence and defense. Confidence and defense are the two main things. And and I loved this quote that I saw uh, early on, uh, right after the game ended. I, I saw I came across a quote from um, first name is Evan, right? McPherson, the kicker uh, on on uh, Cincinnati. He told Joe Burrow before he went out to make that kick. He told him before he went out to make the kick. He said to Joe Burrow on the sidelines. So I guess we're going to the AFC Championship game. <laughs> this guy has kicked four game-winning field goals this season in his rookie season. You, you want to talk about confidence. Don't forget about the kickers when you talk about confidence. I think you're right. I think that uh, that this this Cincinnati team could give the Chargers a run for their money. I don't think this Cincinnati team would give the Bills a run for their money. The Bills defense is... Who's, I said the Chargers, Pat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, thank you. Um, I think that this team could give the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs, a run for their money. I don't think this team can give the Bills a run for their money. The Bills have the best defense in the league, but it's not even close. They have an elite defense at every level. The front, the, 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 the line, the secondary, even the tertiary players, they're all elite. And... I listen. Confidence is one thing, but but talent is is another thing. So I think the Bills. Speaking of Josh Allen doing throwing seven or, or leading seven touchdown drives in the first seven possessions of that last game against the Patriots, who are pretty good defensively. That's the intersection of talent and confidence. That team. Bills. 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 I'm part of it. Bills Mafia. I told you, what, two, three weeks ago, 
right when the playoffs started, I was joining, hopping on the Bills bandwagon. Which bandwagon are you on? Did you fall off one already? Are you getting back on one? Who is your rooting interest coming up uh, on the fan? Uh, tell me who your rooting interest is in this playoffs. And, you know, last week I did a six-team money line parlay. The only game I lost on was that ridiculous whistle in the Raiders and Bengals game. Otherwise, a clean sleep of all a clean sweep of all the wild card weekend games. My Daniel McCartan's picks for tomorrow's Rams Bucks game and more of your phone calls on the NFL playoffs, the huge New York Giants news and anything else that's on your mind coming up here on the fan. It's turning me up. with you on the fan for the next 40 minutes or so. Brian McKinn comes your way at 2 a.m. Um, yeah, turn it up. Be a part of it. 877-337-6666. So we'll take this one first chronologically. First in Sunday's game uh, is the 3 p.m. one. The L.A. Rams at the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, they did face off um, earlier in the season all the way back in week three. So to me, there isn't much weight there. But the Rams did beat the Bucs by 10. Stafford had a tremendous game, four touchdowns and a 134 rating. I tell you all the time I look at the injury report first, and, and that is the first thing that I look at. And if I'm a Bucks fan, I'm concerned about, guess what, my offensive line. This is the biggest variable in this game for me. We got all-pro right tackle Tristan Wirfs. He did not practice at all on Wednesday or Thursday, that ankle injury. And then you got the center, Ryan Jensen, the same exact story. And you got both guys were so limited in practice on Friday that all they did were individual drills. They didn't even have contact on Friday in in in, uh, in practice. And then Bruce Arians said that the both of them were progressing nicely. I'm not completely buying it. I mean, the Bucks are trending to a potential disaster zone with most likely Von Miller across the line from those guys on the line. I mean, he's got one sack, at least one sack. In each of the last five games, Von Miller. And don't forget about Aaron Donald. Oh, yeah, the other guy. And for what it's worth, Josh Wells, who's the Bucks' backup right tackle, he was limited in practice all week with the quad. And did you see how he played? He was on. It looked like he was on roller skates when he came in last week. So at full strength, you know, Pro Football Focus ranks uh, Tampa Bay's offensive line as second best. Brady is the least sacked quarterback in the NFL. But the Rams are coming off a performance where they sacked uh, Kyler Murray not twice. They hit him five times. And Tom Brady, as great as he is, is not as mobile as Kyler Murray is. So I do like the Bucks wide receiver matchup against the Rams secondary, even with all pro Jalen Ramsey out there. I mean, this season, there were only three teams that gave up more yards per game than the Rams. And there were only two teams that gave up more receptions to wide receivers than the Rams. So, ergo, my prop bet for this game, which the last I checked weren't out yet, but I'd be heavy on the wide receiver touchdowns. Brady last week versus the Eagles also had a really good game. So, final point is that the Bucks' pass rush was second in the league this season in quarterback pressure percentage, seventh in sacks, and had the eighth best quarterback rating allowed. Eighth least, I guess you could put it. They intercepted the ball eighth best in the league. So the one thing I would say is that Matthew Stafford has the best quarterback rating in the league against the Blitz. That's what I'd be watching. But 
He's 20th in the league against the pressure. So the Bucks are going to need a hell of a lot of effort from its defensive line while keeping most everyone else in the box. That is the game plan, plan that I would employ defensively if I'm Todd Bowles. But again, Stafford only threw the ball 17 times last week against the Cardinals. And the Bucks' rush defense isn't great. My prediction, the last I checked, the Bucks were three-point favorites. And I am not picking against Tom Brady. I'm going Bucks 31, Rams 21. And if you're looking for an anytime touchdown scorer bet, which is what we and my house, my family love to do, Odell Beckham Jr. has caught a touchdown pass in six of the last eight games. There's your little nugget there. I am not picking against the GOAT Tom Brady. Bucks 31, Rams 21. Enter the calls. We go at 877-337-6666. Oh, there he is, Vernon in Manhattan. What happened, <laughs> Vernon? What happened to the pack? <laughs> well, I got three things I want to talk about. I want to talk about my Packers, uh, the Rams, and the incident that happened to me at a football game. Uh, which I feel very embarrassed. But anyway, the first thing, let's go to the Packers. Uh, with the Packers, I have to give congratulations to the 49ers. Um, have nothing against, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Let us all remember that it was the special teams that actually scored the runs. It was not the offensive line of the 49ers. They had two block shots, got a touchdown. So they win. So I have a deep respect for that. Well, the block punt, and that was it. That was the that was the turning point. The block punt that ended up in the scoop and score touchdown. That was it. Put a fork in them. They were done at that point. Yeah, that's true. Because basically, they would have had it tied up if, if during the time when they tried to kick um, three point, but that got blocked also. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so that was really uh, sad on that part. Oh, Paul, let's go to the Rams. The Rams is my other team, but Packers are always first. Mm-hmm. And with the Rams, uh, basically, when Kirk Warner had won the Super Bowl when it was called the St. Louis Rams, mm-hmm. they had these special perimeter footballs. So every time a team wins the Super Bowl, you can buy the special perimeter footballs. So I went to try to get 13 to 1,000 because that was Kirk's number. Couldn't get it because he got it. So when I was talking to the guy on the phone, he said to me, he said, listen, I got something to tell you. You won't believe this. I said, what? He said, someone on the Rams goofed. I said, what do you mean? He said, they never picked up one of 1,000. He said, you want it? I said, yes, yes, yes. What? So I have the football, one of 1,000. Of the Rams winning their first Super Bowl ever. Wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> you got some cool stuff there, Vernon. <laughs> Thank you. And the other one, the last part I'm going to tell you, it's very, very embarrassing. Oh, I got to mention one more thing yeah. about special teams. Yeah. When it came to the um, um, Packers in Super Bowl 31, the first person to ever win an MVP for uh, Super Bowl was actually Desmond Howard, and he was on special teams. So all you fans out there, if you want to go take a look and see in Super Bowl 31, he's the first player ever to win the MVP on special teams. Hmm. So let's go to the one that happened to me in Brooklyn. I don't know if you knew about this. 
In Brooklyn, they had a football team called the Brooklyn Bolts. Did you ever heard of them? No. Okay. There was a semi-pro team that was just starting up to try to get players. If other te- players get hurt in professional football, they can come and pick up these players from these semi-pro teams. Mm-hmm. So the Brooklyn Bolts was playing at an MCU park, and I was at a game one day. Um, I went from a hero to a zero within seconds. What happened? The guy kicked the football, and I'm in the stands. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, that football's come towards me. I said, it's coming <laughs> towards me. So I, I stood up, and I could see this brown thing flying towards me, and it hit me in the stomach real hard. And I held on to the football. The crowd cheered and broke. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy with the X came over down on the field and looked at me and waved his hand to me. I had to throw the football back. Why? That's what I'm saying. I'm looking like... And so I looked, I looked to the top of the stairs. I see the security guard. He looked at me. He turned his head. He looked the other way. Yeah. He, he said, you be a fool. He throw that back. So what I did when they was cheering me, I said, the guy wants the football back. I threw it back. Everybody in the stands booed me. Oh, boo. You idiot. You idiot. <laughs> I, got, I was so embarrassed. I got oh. out of my seat and took the train home. Oh, what? So, so I went online. I said, I'm going to buy one of the footballs with the Brooklyn Bucks. Uh-huh. I went online. The football cost $300. Oh, my God. So I was so hurt and embarrassed. So... That's my thought. <laughs> Have a nice day. So, Vernon, wait, before you go, my, yes, my yes. dad's trick at baseball okay. games, because I always wanted to catch a foul ball or a home run ball. My dad yes. said, you always need to bring a ball with you and throw that one back, not <laughs> not the one that you caught. Caught. <laughs> so that's, that's his trick. We've never actually had to ever do that, but he said that if and when it happens, that that's the, that's the move. Well, the baseball coach, when I used to go down – and um and watch the pitchers warm up because mm-hmm. I always sit there with my fireman helmet on. So he'd come by. He would see me. He would nod to me. So one day he saw me, came down, he took a uh, baseball and threw one to me. Yeah. And I got it. I said, thank you. The other one was a foul ball during batting practice. But I never got a baseball during the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Only during batting practice. You're right. Me too. Did you tell your brother about the if he would win? Yeah, I you know what? I texted him tonight twice <laughs> and okay. he didn't answer me either time. And I my, the last one I sent to him was are you crying and he didn't answer that. So <laughs> might be a tough night. <laughs> we might have to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, the other thing I have to tell you when Desmond Howard won the um MVP, you can see when Brett Favre was standing on the, on the podium, he was not smiling. He was I could see he was upset. So when the team came back to Green Bay, they had a parade for them. Brett Favre didn't come back. He all he flew over to, to the Pro Bowl. Oh, I think he was upset. I think he thought he deserved the MVP and not Desmond Howard. Oh, my God. What a prima donna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, other thing was my friend told me that I was close contact with the Packers. They said back then when Brett Favre played for the Packers, they, when they had practice, he wasn't there. He was flying by the plane and come in to play the game. Then he would fly back, and he called him a prima donna. See that? <laughs> I'm not even there, and I could read it, smell it from a mile away, Vernon. 
Wow. Right. <laughs> Have a nice day. Me too, Vernon. Thanks. Enjoy the games later today. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> well, that's cool. Vernon always... Oh, we didn't get a trivia question tonight. Ah. All right, next week. Vernon, next week, I'm on 6 p.m. to 8.20 p.m. I'm expecting a trivia question. Hopefully, we'll have some good baseball news. As uh, maybe you know, maybe you don't know, they're meeting in person. Yep, the MLBPA and the the MLBPA, that's the Players Union, and the league, they're meeting in person in New York on Monday. The first time around was the Zoom. Second time around is Monday in person. So hopefully... Hopefully, we'll have some good baseball news coming up this next upcoming weekend. Uh, back to the phones we go. Uh, Kevin and Camden, you're up next on The Fan. What's up, Coach? Hey, How Kevin, you? you made it. I didn't even know you were on. I just tuned in the radio. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see no tweet you know, announcing you were going to go on the air. So I'm like, is she on? Like, I kept on like, I haven't seen those updates yet. So I didn't even know when you're on. Uh, I'm here. Just, I'm here. I'm glad you're here. Um, I want to talk about the Giants GM hire a little bit. Joe Shane, I'm, I'm all right with it. You know, I think... And, you know, I think they need to – this is a good step in the right direction. They need to do a long house cleaning. So, I just – I'm hopeful for it. I mean, I, you know, I, I believe it because it's the Bills. You know, it's a, it comes from a good organization. Mm-hmm. I just hope that they can they can draft well. And, and we just need a whole house cleaning because, I mean, we got so many debt. We got so, we got cap issues. We got soldiers got to go. I, mean, I can go on and on. Who? I'm just really I'm liking the GM hire and as far as coaching loving uh, it Kevin not liking it loving it it is am, a slam yeah. dunk I am and I gotta tell you for my coaching hires I would do I'm I'm for Flores I'm not gonna lie to you oh I, no Kevin I no mean, well because you know why because he's a New York well, look maybe it's because he's a New York guy and he was, he was good at the Dolphins I mean, those are the two reasons. No, I mean, there were that he was. It was murmurings that he was going to be fired for a whole month before it happened. He lost the locker room. There, there's so many things not to like about Brian Flores that I, the personality and, and and the relationships that he ruined in that time there. I don't want any part of him for here in New I, York. I understand that. Dable will be good too. I think Dable's going to be the higher though. He better be. With, with Shane there, I think it's going to be Dable. He better be. That that would be and, the absolute and, right move. And try to try to keep Graham if you could, and get or, or get Wink Martindale on the team too. Yeah. No, I both, I like Patrick Graham as as the defensive coordinator. I, I would retain him, but that that's me. They might not. They might. Yeah. And Wink Martindale. They, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. There. I, prefer, I I prefer to keep Graham though because I mean yeah I know the defense. Just, Struggled a bit this year, but but, but guess what? Great. They didn't have Blake Martinez, who led the team in tackles. I mean, yep. he he is the whole cog in that whole defense, and he was out early this year. So you can't blame <laughs> the defensive coordinator for that. As far as the football games tonight, I got to be honest, I didn't watch much. I kind of I got my booster shot yesterday, so I've been kind of resting a bit. Yeah, how do you feel? Oh, yeah, I got on Thursday, and I kind of I kind of got beat up a little bit yesterday. So yeah, I'm just trying to recover from it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, yeah, I didn't watch much of the games. But I'm, uh, I'm shocked the Packers lost. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm picking the Bills. I'm picking the Bills, and so no. I'm picking the Bills to win the AFC. That's, Me too. Oh, for sure. I, I think so. I, I want them. I want them to win it this year. As far as the NFC, I'm picking the Rams. I think it's going to be uh, uh, Rams Bills. Because mm. I, I mean, I'm tired of seeing. It. I know Brady's likely going to win. But I just, I'm just so tired of seeing it. It's like LeBron every year. I'm getting. <laughs> can we do something yeah. a little bit different, though? Yeah, I know. I, like, I want to just. I know it's probably not going to happen, the Rams, but I'm I'm hoping for it because you know, give, give me something fresh to watch. Because I'm I'm sorry, just seeing the same thing over and over again. 
Yeah, I know. I don't know. But I want, I want Buffalo to win. Did you know why? They never won. Give Buffalo something. They deserve it. <laughs> and you get like, a Super never Bowl. Won. And they, they're also four. So I want to see them get one at least. Yeah. They deserve it. And, and Josh Allen's one heck of a player. So And, and Joe Shane's the one who drafted him. So, I mean, I really, I'm loving, like I said, the Joe, Joe Shane hire, I'm loving it. So I'm digging it. So. Yeah, well, Kevin, I, I love it. it. It's it's a great move for the Giants. It's a, obviously yeah. a step in the right direction, and you just hope that a guy with as much experience as, as Joe Shane does actually have, that, that the Giants are going to get the head coaching uh, I selection correct. I agree with that. And next week, I'm going to get into the New York Knicks because I got to yep. tell you, I am so angry. And Randall, I, listen, I, I'll say this real quick, and I'll get into more next week. At least Baez, you know, with the thumbs down, at least Baez talked to the media. Randall's yeah. not even doing that. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. This guy's not even this guy's not built for this town. No. Nope. I'll get more into I'll get more into it next week, but I'm just so freaking done with him. Yeah. And I'm freaking done with this team this year. I'm just I, I'm not even I'm not even watching the and I'm being serious. Well, I just, I'm not even watching the games anymore. At least not for this year. <laughs> I'm not watching it. He's boycotting I'm, the Knicks. I am. I'm 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 boycotting basketball really. I can, I've got so much going on the last couple of weeks that you haven't been on. I've been going through quite a bit of stuff. Good, well, you know, good booster shot. My mom kind of got diagnosed with COVID, but she's good now. So good. we're kind of going through a lot of stuff. But I'm yeah. good. So Good, Kevin. All good. good. All right, we'll talk next week. Sounds good, Coach. Thanks. All right, bye. And uh, with that, you know, I did another parlay. And the uh, spoiler alert, the freaking Packers ruined it this week. Uh, you know, I can't with this. Um, I had the Bengals, the Packers, the Bucks, you know, and finally... My final piece of the puzzle, I, you already might know, I have the, the Bills. Here's my analysis of the Bills game, Bills Chiefs, coming up next here on The Fan. Working on a weekend like usual. Way off in the deep end like usual. Swear they passed us, they doing too much. Haven't done my taxes, I'm too turned up. That's right, working on a weekend like usual. I'm Danielle McCartan. He's Pat Boyle, taking your calls at 877-337-6666. Oh, it feels great to be back, and I'll be back with you next weekend as well. 6 p.m. to 8.20 p.m. goes right up to the Nets pre- uh, pregame. Um, I'll keep this quick. Uh, we've got the Bills. The second game on Sunday is, is the Bills and, and the Chiefs. I must say that this is the most exciting game for me. The Bills have been my betting pick to win the Super Bowl since I placed the bet on March 29th. They've also been my pick to win the Super Bowl since four years ago when I told my Bills fan friend Christina that they would win a Super Bowl within five years. This is the fifth year. I'm completely aboard the Bills bandwagon. It's going to be 35 degrees of kickoff. Josh Allen's coming in hot. They scored a touchdown on the first seven possessions last week against the Patriots. The brilliance of that cannot be understated. Patrick Mahomes is going to be running into a buzzsaw, the the Buffalo Bills defense. It has the two of the best lockdown safeties in the league. Jordan Poyer allows a a measly 42.2 rating against. Micah Hyde allows a 72.8 rating against. I mean, it's a top six unit in the NFL against tight ends in receptions allowed, t- yards allowed, touchdowns allowed. So a tough day for Travis Kelsey. Matt Milano, when covering tight ends, is is also great. So so here's the thing. There's six uh, Buffalo defenders. Poyer, Hyde, Milano, Levi Wallace, Taron Johnson, and Dane Jackson. And obviously, I know that there are six 
more than six pass defenders in a single game, right? But those six guys, that core, when targeted, those six guys, the opposing quarterback rating is a 67.5 on average. I mean, if they could just play true to average tomorrow or later today, I guess, Patrick Mahomes is going to be in big trouble. He's only had three games where his quarterback rating has been lower than that. And the Buffalo pass rush is also very good. And the the offensive line, how good are they? Well, they've allowed the second least sacks in the league, second to only the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, and last week, Josh Allen was not sacked a single time. He was only hit once. His jersey wasn't even dirty. Once. So, again, if the Bills can play true to average in this game, if Josh Allen does not turn the ball over, the Chiefs have 18 takeaways in the last eight games, though. I think the Bills will win this game. I think Dawson Knox is going to go off. For those of you looking for an anytime touchdown scorer, I think I'm going to put some some moolah there. So my prediction, last time I checked, the Chiefs were one-and-a-half-point favorites. Give me the Buffalo Bills, 28, Kansas City Chiefs, 24. Bills Mafia, this one's for you. Bills are going to the AFC Championship game, and uh, and they're going to win. And they're going to win the Super Bowl. How's that sound? Picking the Bills. Bills over the Chiefs tomorrow at Arrowhead Stadium. I'm doing it. All right. To close out the show before Brian McKeon comes your way at 2, let's go uh, You know, 877-337-6666 is the number. Mark and Mayapak, you're up on the fan, Mark. Go ahead. Hi, Danielle. Hey. Um, I got a question. Um, who are the only two Heisman Trophy winners to win the Super Bowl? Oof. Uh... Are they timely? Are they are they still playing? Is that why this is a question? No, they're not still playing. It's kind of it's kind of older school. Uh, th- go I ahead, just tell you know, me. I throw a question out. It's a pretty good question. It is a good question. What are the answers? Who are the answers? Um, Roger Staubach mm-hmm. and Jim Plunkett. Well, there you go. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in my little trivia bank there. I like it. Good question. And another thing, you yeah. know, you know, it was a pretty good team. Uh, when they had Kerry Collins and Jason Seahorn, uh, the Giants. They were pretty good? Yeah, they were pretty good. I like that Jason Seahorn. He, he like, united that defense. I, I I was a little young for that, and I know my dad liked Jason Seahorn. And Kerry Collins, he didn't get a ring. That was too bad. But he played very well in the playoffs when they beat Minnesota 41 nothing. That was one of the biggest... Uh, Mark, we're losing. I don't know. You were fading. You were fading fast on us. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm looking at Jason Seahorn. Um, he played, you know, a bunch of years there in the playoffs. He played uh, right cornerback, left cornerback. We know that. Um, I don't know. He was a little bit before my time. I was in – I mean, he his, his rookie year, 94, I was six years old. So I'll take your word on it. I'll take your word on that there. Uh, let's go to Steve in Patchogue. You're up next on the fan, Steve. Hey, Danielle. What's up, First Steve? First time, short time. Ah, thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah, definitely enjoying listening. Your gambling picks, I'm right there with you on every single one of them. Let's go Bills tomorrow. Right. As for Brian Flores, I'm just curious. Um, are we really taking, like, the Dolphins as the, the, the pitch point as – for how good Brian Flores is? Yeah, no. Because <laughs> Ryan Tannehill looks pretty damn good, and then the Dolphins gave up on him a long time ago, and they're pretty dysfunctional. Well, Ryan Tannehill was under the Adam Guru curse, so as soon as he rid himself of Adam Guru, you knew he was going to blossom. You knew that. Yes, agreed on that. Um, but no, absolutely not. Brian Flores, um, 
there's there's a lot that I don't like about Brian Flores, and I hope the Giants stay away from him. I just is it, is it just what you hear from what the Dolphins are saying, or is there anything else about Brian Flores that you don't like? So it was report, it was multiple sources uh, that you know a source. I don't speak in sources, but you got a guy like Ian Rappaport going on Good Morning Football and, and saying some stuff about you know how he's he's not respected it, things like that. Um, how he loses the locker room and. Right. You've got reports from CBS Sports. I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's well, like he's, he's he's Brownsville, Brownsville, Brooklyn, and we're all New Yorkers here, which is know, great. You know, which which is wonderful. Areas, which and is maybe that doesn't mesh with you know, which the, is uh, wonderful, great for him. And things like that. Yeah, but, but if yeah, who cares? If you're a hometown guy, good for you. But if you're good enough to get the job, you should. It doesn't matter where you're from. Absolutely, but maybe it meshes better with New York than it does in South Beach. Mm. I don't know, because when you see a guy that is uh, telling a quarterback, this is a report from CBS Sports, that that um, this is a, a GM, a former GM, Michael Lombardi, said on some podcast that um, the conversation was that um, Flores had with uh, Tungavailoa. He said, if I knew you were going to be this bad, I would have taken Mac Jones. I mean, who says that? I heard that. Who yeah, says no, that? That yeah, doesn't fly cool. anywhere, Steve. Nowhere. No, that's, fly. That's, that's unprofessional. I agree. Completely. If that is actually true, but if I, just, it's true. I have trouble. I have trouble, you know, believing anything that comes out of the Dolphins organization. Giants are pretty uh, dysfunctional right now, but there's nothing more dysfunctional than the Miami Dolphins. And there would be nothing more dysfunctional than hiring a Miami Dolphins uh, uh, retread quarterback uh, uh, head coach. Forget about it. Flores, so Ian Rappaport, here it is. I want to make sure I got this right. Ian, Ian Rappaport to Good Morning Football said, this has been boiling for the least, I would say, more than a month. I mean, when you look at what the owner said about about Brian Flores, all of these things that I listed before, you know, could be, could be where there's smoke, there's fire, right? And all six of those reports from, from three different sources, four different sources cannot all be classified as erroneous. Don't do it. Stay far away from Flores. Uh, Douglas in the Bronx, you're up next on the fan. Yeah. Hi, Danielle. Hey, what's up, Douglas? Okay. So, um, uh, one other note, with Flores, his offense stinks in Miami. I, you, that's the problem the Giants are trying to fix. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, okay. Uh, in terms of odds, if you had to put odds makers, Dable is the clear favorite. I'm looking at what uh, with Bet, uh, Bet MGM has. Mm-hmm. Flores is runner-up. Mm-hmm. Frazier is third. I think that's because they hired Day- uh, Shane. Yes. Uh, would you mind Frazier as, a, uh, as one of the... Uh, I wouldn't mind Frazier, although I personally think that the Giants need an offensive guy. I don't know if, if going the defensive route would be the right route um, for them to go at all. Um, nothing against Frazier at all. I just think it's an offensive league, and I think uh, that's the way they should go. Yeah, and I, I think one other note that you know people are worried that the Giants need to get a coach with experience. Mm-hmm. Look at the eight playoff teams this uh, weekend. Only two of them have veteran experience the other six were rookies at, when they started so um it, and the last coaching experience the giants hired was pat Shermer. so that did not work out too well yeah no yeah I, they'll be fine with table and i think maybe the, the big note is uh they probably talked a bunch about how they could try to uh prop up daniel jones because 
I don't think Daniel Jones is going anywhere. I don't think they're going to go the stopgap routine uh, in the next year. No, and- let, let him prove himself. Douglas, put a line in front of him and let him prove himself. And if you don't like him, then you dump him. And you can bring somebody else in, but at least the line will be solidified in front of whoever that is. That's the strategy from the Giants. Because guess what? They don't have the cap space to do it. And the last thing that I would do is 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 send off multiple prime draft picks for a veteran quarterback like a Wilson, like a Rodgers. Forget about it. The Giants are more than just a quarterback away. If they were a quarterback away, I would say go for it. But they're not. They need an offensive line in the worst way, and they only can do it and afford to do it through the draft. Closing in on the last, I don't know, five minutes or so here on The Fan, let's go to Ben in Queens. You're up next on The Fan, Ben. Morning, Coach. Well, when you posted up the poster for this board, I said, and I put down, hey, hey, Rogers' record versus the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey. You go like the unpredictable Bengals facing the Titans with Derrick Henry. You would be primed for hot takes. Sure enough, we got the hot takes. Yeah. Uh, again, for folks that don't know, okay, I believe it was up until 2002, the Packers only lost one game, one playoff game in Lambeau. Since 2002, they've lost seven. Wow. That's that's a good number there. How's your brother feeling, by the way? I don't know. He didn't answer my text, so I hope Uh, he's all right. (laughs) Okay. Aaron Rodgers, 0 for 4 versus the 49ers. Yep. How about that? They're going to regret not drafting me. Oh, yeah? No, they just beat you four times in the postseason, but go ahead. (laughs) But, But again, after the first drive, I'm listening to it at work, and I'm like, okay, 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 it's been seven zip for a while here, and you're not increasing this lead. <laughs> you let this team beat you without an offensive touchdown on your own field. I know. Only the fourth time that that has happened since t- the year 2000. Meanwhile, let's switch to the other end. <sighs> I know I said Derrick Henry. I, I said Derrick Henry, but the other kid was running the ball so well. I know, I know. Oh, oh. he was. Oh. Ooh, certain certain people will be stewing about this all off season. Mm-hmm. And and fifth round kicker has not missed a kick on the road all season. Of Four all the stats, game winners this season for that rookie. Four. Of all the stats they could possibly give you in the NFL, that's one I'd say it ain't gonna happen because the kicker's gotta learn each stadium mm-hmm. and how to rookie kicker, yeah. fifth round pick Perfect on the road so far. You know what? Congratulations, Cincinnati. I, this this game, I've given up trying to figure it out. Just do the dang thing. There he goes. Yeah, and Ben, he told he told Joe Burrow on the sideline before he kicked it, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna win this game." Well, the team that's really begotten, hopefully, they got some magic left. The Rams. If the Rams don't attack Brady with blitzes early, I don't know what's If that offensive line is that wrecked, you better be rushing Brady. Dial it up. Dial it up big time. Get him off the mark. And that is, of course, the blueprint to beating Tom Brady. Jets fans know it well. Giants fans know it well.
And Sparky in Dobbs Ferry is our Mariano Rivera of the night. The closer, Sparky. What do you have for us? This okay. Week? First of all, welcome back, Coach. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, I wish you were on the air all the time, but that's besides the point. Um, now, with, with the Giant team that won a Super Bowl and the 49er team, they have one big thing in common. They both follow the same path. They won on the road at Dallas, and then they won on the road at Green Bay. Okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Now, as far as Aaron Rodgers, they go. You, people are mentioning, ah, oh, he wouldn't want to come to the Giants. The Giants shouldn't want him yeah. for the same reason True. why they shouldn't run Russell Wilson. Just for the fact, by the time they're good enough to win, he's they're gonna he's the window's closed. He's too old. Yeah, it's over. Mm. He's, and the thing is, what is Aaron Rodgers one playing with better teams than the Giants? Nothing. Yeah. True. That's true. Okay. One Super and Bowl, how many years ago? And then it makes you realize how, as much as I can't stand saying it, how great Brady is. Mm-hmm. And now you're mentioning about baseball before. One quick baseball point. Yeah. I think one thing people have to really watch out for, I think you're going to see a lot of pitching injuries because of the fact they're not going to have the necessary time to build up their durability to pitch in a major league season. Yeah, and and, and that's a good point there, Sparky. And and, and coming off the, the the shortened season, the pandemic shortened season, and then this season you saw injuries. You would have to think that these guys are doing their own workouts at home, but not knowing a start date has to affect these pitching programs at home. But hopefully next weekend we'll be able to talk some baseball. The league and the union set to meet in person here in New York on Monday. Fingers crossed. Thanks to all the callers. Could not have done this without you. I love coming here and talking with you. If you missed any portion of the show, hit the Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start at about 11.40 p.m. Great job to Paul Rosenberg tonight, to Pat Boyle behind the glass, and to Greg Caserta with the updates. I'll see you next Saturday, 6 p.m.